You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1 Chapter 1, Section 5, Part 4 The Son of Man Son of Man is a title bestowed upon the perfect man to indicate his origin. Son expresses the idea of emanation, hence that seen in the midst of the light stands, as their stem or shaft, as it were, was an emanation from the race of Adam, Son of Man. Israel is my son, my firstborn. In this declaration to Pharaoh, a nation of some three millions of people is styled the firstborn son of Yahweh. Hence, the reader will find no difficulty in comprehending that the son of man, in the midst of the light stands, was the form of a man representing a multitude of individuals taken by some certain process from the human race. This is indicated by the symbol itself, for John, speaking of its voice loud as a trumpet, says, His voice was as a sound of many waters, and the apocalyptic waters are defined as importing peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. His voice was the voice of an election from these, saying, Thou hast purchased us for the deity with thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and made us for our deity kings and priests, and we shall reign over the earth. Chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, and chapter 17, verse 15. This idea of a multitudinous son of man is clearly exhibited in Daniel 7, verse 13. In the words, I am seeing in the vision of the night, and behold there was coming with clouds of heavens like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations and tongues should serve him. His dominion is a dominion of Olam, which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Here the clouds of heavens constitute the Son of Man, who is brought before the Ancient of Days, when they who compose him themselves come into his presence. The Ancient of Days is the Lord the Spirit, the quickening Spirit, the Logos in David's flesh, who is the head of this Son of Man. In the fourteenth verse, the kingdom is said to be given to the Son of Man, and in verses 18, 22, and 27, it is said to be given to the saints of the Elionine, Most High Ones, as the saints of the Most High Ones shall receive the kingdom and shall possess the kingdom for the Olam, even during an Olam of Olams, or during the Millennium. And as in verse 22, The horn prevailed against the saints, 
until that the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High Ones, and the time came, and the saints possessed the kingdom. And in the 27th verse, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under all the heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High Ones, whose kingdom is the kingdom of Olam, the millennium, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. If a kingdom be given to A, and the same kingdom at the same time be given to Z, then A and Z are one and the same, though called by different letters of the alphabet. This is the argument of the texts before us. The millennial kingdom is given to the Son of Man. It is also given, at the same time, to the saints. Therefore the Son of Man and the saints are but different phrases for one and the same thing. Daniel and John both introduce a Son of Man as a similitude. They tell us that what they saw was homoion uio, a thing like to a Son of Man. It had the exterior form of a man, but from the description of parts, anything than the exact counterpart of a man. The only place where the same similitude is again introduced is in Revelation 14 verse 14, where John says, He saw a white cloud, and then, in order to show what the cloud represented, he tells us he beheld upon the cloud sitting like to a son of man, having upon his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. This is the similitude of the cloud of saints, ready to reap the harvest of the earth, and to tread the winepress without the city. They are styled a white cloud, because white is the raiment with which they are everywhere invested as the apocalyptic emblem of conquest and righteousness. The head of the similitude is crowned to indicate that the Son of Man similitude is a body politic of kings. The similitude exhibited to Daniel in chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 has reference to the same subject as John's. Daniel was attracted principally to the head, the rest of the body being concealed by a garment white as snow. The head of the similitude represents the Ancient of Days, the hair of the head being like the pure wool. Daniel and John's symbols agree in this. White as snow and pure wool are emblems of purity. Scarlet and crimson redness are representative of sin. Thus it is written, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1 verse 18 The wool of the symbol connects it with the lamb of Revelation 5 verse 6, as it had been slain, in which are the seven eyes of deity. The other particulars of John's Son of Man are merged 
in the following scenery of Daniel's vision. His throne, the fiery flame, his wheels, burning fire, a stream of fire flowing and issuing from before him, a thousand thousands served him, and a myriad myriads stood before him. The judgment was set, and books were opened. The white garment indicates the priestly and righteous character of the body clothed thereby, all of which are justified, and priests as well as conquering kings for God. When it was revealed to Daniel in chapter 8 verse 14 that the holy should be avenged after 2,300 years had passed away, he fell into the death state and revived to signify that the vengeance would be after the resurrection. At that time also, he says, Behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ulai, which called and said, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end the vision is. Here Daniel is made to personate the son of man. He was lying on his face in a deep sleep at the time, but when touched, he stood up as the son of man, raised from the dead, ready to hear about the breaking of the little horn at the epoch of vengeance by the prince of princes. Again, the apocalyptic son of man appears to Daniel by the side of the great river, which is Hiddekel, as narrated in chapter 10, verse 5. In the English version, he is said to have beheld a certain man. This phrase in the original is Ish Echad, man of one. It was not a real man he beheld, but as he styles it in verse 18, the appearance of a man, and in verse 16, like the similitude of the sons of Adam. It was a symbolical or shadowy representation of the man of the one eternal spirit. It was, therefore, truly a certain man, not an uncertain or indefinite one. John the baptizer saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and Daniel and John, the apostle, beheld the same Spirit, like the similitude of the sons of Adam, or like to a son of man. Note. A symbol as a form comprehending diverse parts. As a whole, it is a compendious abstract of something else than itself, much in a condensed form. A symbolical representation is the act of showing, by forms or types, the real thing intended. It is the shadowy form of a true substance, and in the chapter before us, that substance, so potentially foreshadowed, is Christ's body corporate, the germ or nucleus of which is the Logos become flesh, and named by deity, Yahushua, or Jesus. End of note. Now, the description Daniel gives us of this symbol 
or spirit form is that he was clothed in linen and his loins girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body was like the beryl and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in colour to polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. He saw this in Eden by the third of its rivers, the Hiddekel, where the cherubim and devouring fire were originally located, Genesis 2 verse 14 and 3 verse 24. The reason why the locality of the vision is specified is to acquaint the reader with the region of the earth where the glory of the spirit man is to be revealed. The general description of the two symbols being before the reader. I shall proceed now to examine them more in detail, commencing with the intimation that the similitude was clothed to the feet. The feet. Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1 Chapter 1, Section 5, Part 5, Clothed to the Feet While Daniel informs us that the spirit man he beheld was clothed with linen, John states simply that he was clothed to the feet. Now, this clothing is significant of the character and office of the persons represented by the symbol. The holy garments of Aaron and his sons were of linen to cover their nakedness, that when they ministered in the holy places they bear not iniquity and die. Exodus 28 verse 42 Nakedness and iniquity are convertible terms in scripture. As it is written, when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked to their shame, that is, they had transgressed in worshipping the golden calf, blessed is he that keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Hence, to be clothed and to keep the clothing white and clean is to be righteous or holy. When Adam sinned, he knew that he was naked, and he was ashamed and afraid. But the Spirit appointed for clothing skins of sacrifices, and his sin was covered. Hence, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered or clothed. Joshua, son of Josedek, a type of Jesus in the flesh, is first introduced as clothed with filthy garments, representative of the flesh with its propensities and lusts. But when the type is changed to represent Jesus in Pneuma Hagiosinus, that is, in Holy Spirit nature, such as he acquired after resurrection, Joshua's raiment is represented as being changed Take away, says the Spirit, the filthy garments from him. 
When this was done, then the Spirit addresses him and says, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And when the time came to do it, to clothe Jesus and all in him, symbolized in Joshua and his fellows, they set a fair mitre, or priestly crown, upon his head, and clothed him with garments. These are indicated in the visions of John and Daniel. Zechariah 3 verses 3 to 10. I put on righteousness, says Job, and it clothed me. And in Psalm 132 verse 9, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. In Revelation 19 verse 8, it is said of the community styled the Lamb's wife that to her it was given that she should be arrayed in fine linen, pure and bright. Now, they who constitute the woman are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 17 verse 14. They follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Chapter 14 verse 4. As his clouds of cavalry, clothed in fine linen, white and pure, which is declared to be the righteousness of the saints. Chapter 19, verses 14 and 8. Who are purchased from among men, and made for deity kings and priests to reign over the earth. The multitude, symbolized by the Son of Man, attains to this dominion through much tribulation and by resurrection. When they stand up, they have obtained the victory over death and the grave through him that loved them and laid down his life for them. They are therefore represented in chapter 7 as clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, robes washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Hence, these are robes of salvation and victory. In their mortal state, they put on Christ as a robe, when, having believed the things of the kingdom of the deity and the name of Jesus anointed, they were immersed for that name and into it. They fall asleep in him, and they arise to partake of the nature of his individual body, of his flesh and of his bones that they may be like him. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 When they are clothed with this spirit nature, they are clothed upon with their habitation, which is from heaven, mortality being swallowed up under the life or spirit that is poured upon them. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 2 and 4 This is the consummation of their investiture, which begins with their immersion into Christ and is perfected in their post-resurrectional immortalization by the Spirit through Jesus. They are then the body corporate of God's kings and priests, the inhabitation of eternal wisdom and power, clothed 
in the linen garment of righteousness, honour, majesty, and salvation. Then Zion will have clothed herself with them all as with an ornament, and have bound them on as a bride. Isaiah 49, verse 18, 61, verse 10, and Psalms 132, verse 16, and 104, verse 1. The reader will understand, then, that the linen clothing of these symbols indicates the persons, their character, office, and nature, of which they are representatives. A glorious body of people, prepared to execute righteous judgment upon the nations, and to govern them in righteousness when subdued. The Son of Man, in glory and great power. Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1 Chapter 1, Section 5, Part 6 The Golden Zone The perfect man, seen by John, was clothed with a garment down to the foot. No elemental part of him was unclothed, but each had on his wedding garment, clean and white, so that in this glorious Son of Man no nakedness could be discerned. The next item that arrested John's attention in the glorious apparel of this royal and priestly man was a zone of gold encircling his breast, or in the words of the English version, he was girt about the paps with a golden girdle. This would answer to a breastband rather than to a girdle, which in the dress of the ancients belonged to the loins. But Josephus says that the priests wore the girdle upon their breasts, under their arms, that a kind of flower work was there represented, with threads of purple, scarlet, and hyacinth, that it went twice round the body, was tied before, and the ends hung down to the feet. When they were in the act of sacrificing, they threw this girdle over the left shoulder, that they might perform their office with the greater freedom. This, however, cannot have been the embroidered girdle. This was attached to the ephod's lower margin, and below the breastplate of judgment and could not have been thrown over the left shoulder without removing the whole ephod and its appendages. What Josephus refers to must have been something else than the girdle of the ephod. This was made of gold, blue, purple and scarlet, and fine twined linen. These articles represented principles afterwards to be enacted in the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Aaron wore the representations upon his person. Jesus bore them in himself. The gold represents the wisdom of a tried and precious faith. Blue, a cleansing principle. Purple, the element of flesh. Scarlet, the sin thereof. And fine twined linen, righteousness. These principles were embodied in Jesus, 
as holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. As to character, yet the likeness of sin's flesh, in whom sin was condemned, when crucified, as to nature, and the purifier unto righteousness of those who become the righteousness of the deity in and through him. The gold and fine twined linen were embroidered through all the blue, purple and scarlet of this curious breastband with which the breasts were girded. So in the case of Jesus, though made sin for us, he knew no sin, yet was he tempted in all points like as we are, but without transgression. Wisdom and righteousness were intertwined in all his words and actions, according to the type. Thus, the body or substance is of Christ. Exodus 28 verses 2 to 21, Romans 8 verse 3, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, Hebrews 2 verse 14, chapter 4 verse 15, Colossians 2 verse 17, and 1 Peter 2 verse 24. But when Jesus and his brethren shall all have attained to the divine nature, even as Jesus hath already, the gold and the linen of the girdle will alone remain. The blue, the purple, and the scarlet make no part of the garments for glory and for beauty of the Son of Man, as beheld by John, because what John saw pertains not to the sufferings, but to the glory of the Christ, or anointed body. In regard to the girdle, Daniel tells us that the spirit man symbolized to him was girded with fine gold of euphaz. This euphaz is the ophir of other passages. In the days of the prophets, it was the gold region of the earth, whence the most abundant supplies of the finest gold were obtained. The mosaic patterns of things in the heavens were all of gold or of precious woods overlaid with gold. Mere wood, hay or stubble found no place there any more than in the heavens themselves. The cherubim, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat, the altar of incense, the seven branch lampstand, the table of showbread, spoons, tongs, Censers, hinges, staves, and so forth, were all of gold, or overlaid with gold. And beside all this, the holy garments for glory and for beauty, worn by the high priest, who officiated in this temple, resplendent with gold, were brilliant with the shining metal and precious stones. Gold was chosen as the most precious of all known metals, to represent the most precious of heavenly things before the eternal spirit, namely faith perfected by trial, which is much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be refined by fire, and without which it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6, James 2 verse 22, 1 Peter 1 verse 7, and 2 Peter 1 verse 1. It is the basis of righteousness unto life eternal. 
for we are justified by faith. The fine linen robe of righteousness is girded about the saints by the golden girdle of a tried faith. When God hath tried me, saith Job, I shall come forth as gold. Thus David, in celebrating the future glory of the new order of Elohim, consisting of the king and his brethren, styles the latter the queen, in Psalm 45, verse 10, saying to his majesty, The queen hath been placed at thy right hand in fine gold of Ophir. He then addresses the consort of the great king, who, being the eternal spirit manifested in David's son, is both father and husband of the bride. Thy maker is thine husband, Yahweh Tzveoth is his name. The Elohim of the whole earth shall he be called. Isaiah 54 verse 5, saying, Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear, and forget thy nation, and the house of thy father, and the king shall greatly desire thy beauty. For he is thy lord, therefore do thou homage unto him. So the daughter of Tyre with tribute, the rich of the people, shall supplicate thy favour. The daughter of the king is all glorious within. Her clothing is of interweavings of gold. In embroideries she shall be conducted to thee. The virgins, her companions, following her, shall be brought to thee. They shall be conducted with joyous shouts and exultation. They shall enter into the palace of the king. Thus David sings of the spirit and the bride, clothed in the holy garments of righteousness, and of a tried and perfected faith, for glory and for beauty. They are apocalyptically represented as like a son of man, as a great city, styled the holy city, New Jerusalem, having been prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, a city of pure gold, like to transparent crystal. The precious sons of Zion, saith the prophet, are comparable to fine gold, for in their glory they are the spirit incarnations of a tried and precious faith, which is the shining girdle of their ephod. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, 
then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.